Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. Sure do appreciate you joining me, giving me a little bit of your time and energy and effort, part of your day. Hopefully it makes the day a little more, I don't know, not enjoyable, but hopefully it's something you look forward to each day, folks. I assume it is, or you wouldn't come back. Uh, For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, thank you so much. Y'all help it to grow. uh, I'm very grateful for that. Not a lot on the homestead. Some rain. Kind of chilly. It's a good time to think about those people that are out working in it, folks. If you've ever been forced to work outside in really cold rain, that's just about where it's not cold enough to snow. Everything's just freezing and it's wet. Miserable. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for warm houses and warm cars and warm clothes and dry places to sleep. Thank you for all your blessings. The ones we admit and the ones we don't. Thank you for the people that listen to this podcast and share it with others. Be with them and their families. Guide them. Bless them. Surround them with your angels. Protect them from evil of any kind. Guide our thoughts and our words and our actions, Father. Help us to seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness. First, help us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. love our neighbors as ourselves, light our path, help us to turn back to you as a nation, watch over those who protect us, who defend us and our nation, be with them and their families, keep them safe, and guide our leaders, Father, please, and guide my words here, in your son's name we pray, amen. So this is not a random combination. Uh, this all ties in pretty pretty well today, I think. You can pull these from a number of sources. Some of the Bible verses, obviously pull from the Bible, but these quotes, you can pull them from a number of different places. I'm pulling these out of the Founders Bible primarily. Today, phenomenal resource, along with the Patriots Bible, which you can find some of these in, and I believe in the American God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations. And this podcast is mostly going to be over profanity in the sense of primarily of cursing, or predominantly of cursing, God, 
right? Uh, but swearing just in general, the way we talk. But behind that is the idea of relativism. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. If you look around today and you look at the actions of people combined with their words, you look at our music, you look at art, uh, or what we do to art, but also what we consider art today. TV, movies, social media, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, just take your pick. If you look at all of this, would you consider <clears throat> our actions and words wholesome as a nation? Or would you say they're somewhat lacking? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most of y'all would agree that they're somewhat lacking. And if you really wanted to, uh, I've said this often on the podcast, if you really want to get a snapshot of the nation, go to any school almost if you want to see really what's wrong what's what's breaking our nation down go to any school and walk the halls really probably only for a day sadly but a couple weeks and see what's going on there and it, it gives you a great picture of the breakdown of our families marriages just education system in general. And so you look as far as profanity goes and our language, our words, they're pretty rough, folks. I've been guilty of it. I was particularly guilty of it when I was in the Marine Corps, but there have been other times in my life where it's ebbed and flowed, sadly. And I've used some pretty coarse language. Talked way too much, more than I should. To make no very good point. Just to hear the sound of my own voice because I thought I was so intelligent or it was so important that other people needed to hear it. See how smart I was, right? One of the proverbs that jumps in mind is where words are many, sin is not absent. And I paraphrase that, I apologize, but basically when we talk, the more we talk, the more chance there is for sin to get into that conversation in our life. And there's a number of Bible verses that talk about the quality of our speech how important it is that it's noble and pure 
and not silly or trite or filled with gossip or malice. And it's a great example, really, for us as Christians to think about what image we present to the rest of the world. If we're trying to present Christ to the world and we're cussing and swearing and yelling and screaming at, say, a basketball game, what do you think people that don't go to church are going to think about the church when they look at us as an example? And that's really one of those priority conversations. We could talk a whole podcast on this easily. If we're supposed to be the church and we're supposed to be different, we're supposed to focus on God and Jesus Christ. We're supposed to focus on our marriages, build our families up, strengthen our families, strengthen our marriages, raise our children well. If we're supposed to be models to those who aren't in the church and to each other in the church, what do you think it looks like when we don't spend any time in God's word and we don't pray? When we act like idiots on the sidelines and the stands of sporting events? When we're on the street talking to somebody, cussing and swearing, when we're angry and belligerent, when we steal, when we cheat on our spouse, when we just don't put any effort into our marriage at all, when we're lukewarm to our spouse, people aren't going to have a very good idea, a very good opinion of what it means to be a Christian. And so we're going to read through just a few quotes by some of our founding fathers on what they thought about profanity. And we've talked about all of these men to one degree or another here on the podcast. John Witherspoon, a signer of the Declaration. He is the best friend to American liberty who sets himself with the greatest firmness to bear down profanity and immorality of every kind. So if you really want to be a friend to liberty, and in particular to American liberty, because we're a Christian republic, the best citizens are those that stand up against profanity and immorality of any kind. And this is going to be a recurring theme. This is probably going to take us a couple days to get through this, folks. But I'm going to tell you right now, this idea that swearing doesn't matter, that profanity doesn't matter, is a horrible idea. It's a, it's a relativistic idea because we're setting our standard against the world then against other communities, other schools, instead of judging ourselves by Christ's standard. And that's how you start to become like those other places that you want to point your finger at and say, well, at least we're not that bad. Well, when you do that, that's what you start to become are those places. Because then you've got a moving set of goalposts. You've got a changing standard. And it's ever weakening, folks. It doesn't get stronger. It gets weaker. 
when you make exceptions for little things. And I'm not talking about little mistakes. I'm talking about when you start to make exceptions for sins. You invite more in, not less. George Washington. This was during the French and Indian War. Told his troops. Colonel Washington has observed that the men of his regiment are very profane and retro, reprobate. Sorry. He takes this opportunity to inform them of his great displeasure at such practices and assures them that if they do not leave them off, they shall be severely punished. The officers are desired if they hear any man swear or make use of an oath or execration to order the offender 25 lashes immediately without a court-martial. What do you think would happen in our public schools if every time a kid was caught cussing, they were immediately given 25 paddles. Well, that's too harsh, Cope. That's not that big a deal. It's just kids being kids. And in a sense, you're right. It's just kids molding themselves after what they see in adults, which is condemning and sad for those of us that are adults and have modeled that kind of reprobate lifestyle. But I'll tell you what would happen. You would have a very rapid decline in the use of profanity in the hallways and cafeterias, lunchrooms and locker rooms. And please, dear Lord, out there, those of y'all that are listening, don't give me the old line about that's just boys being boys. That's such a sad, tired excuse. And we're making the girls like it today. And I'll tell you what, a little story, how I know this would work. Talk to a man that I have a pretty good deal of respect for you. This was years ago. He told me this story. He's been in public education his whole life. And this is a great example, folks, of, of why the idea that everybody involved in public education today in America is, is not worth much because this man's worth a great deal. And if you would untie his hands and men like him, you would end up with a phenomenal, phenomenal public education system. At any rate, he was a young teacher. It was early in his career, I think. And the school had hired him, but uh, if I remember the story correctly, and if he's listening, forgive me if I get it wrong. He didn't have a position 
quite yet. They hired him for a position starting the next semester. And so one of the jobs, they gave him a lot of little odd jobs, and one of them was to be a hall monitor. And at this school, the price for being tardy was two swats with a paddle. Didn't matter, boy or girl. Uh, there was no conversation. You weren't going to negotiate your way out of it. It was just if you were caught in the hallway after the tardy bell rang, two swats. And I believe he said it took about two weeks. And miraculously, there were no more tardies. And I'm sure that that's kind of the way it went each semester. You know, at the beginning of the semester, they had to do a little bit of work. And then, pretty quickly, that cleared up. And I guarantee you, if you took that same approach with profanity, it would also clear up. And you would find that it would clear up another a number of other issues. And we're going to kind of talk about that. There's a theory that Giuliani, the mayor in New York during 9-11, used to help clean New York up. And it worked really well when he did it, which is even more a shame what's happened over the last couple decades up there. Uh, it's just completely falling apart. But it would clear it up, folks. And you say, well, some of these parents aren't going to agree to it. Okay, fine. You don't need to send your kid to school, though. This is how this functions. This is what we're going to do to make better citizens. It's the same concept with the fact that public education in America ought to absolutely be Christ-centered. And if you don't want to send your kid to that, Fair enough, don't. Don't make it mandatory. But make the only schools that are publicly funded those that can actually strengthen the nation and the only schools that can really, truly strengthen the nation. doesn't matter whether it's classical, liberal arts. doesn't matter what kind of school it is. The only ones that are really making us a stronger nation in the long run are those that are Christ-centered. Another quote from Washington during the American Revolution. This is from 1775. The general most earnestly requires and expects a due observance of those articles of war established for the government of the army, which forbid profane cursing, swearing, and drunkenness, and in the like manner requires and expects of all officers and soldiers not engaged on actual duty a punctual attendance on divine service to implore the blessings of heaven upon the means used for our safety and defense. For those people out there, folks, that tell you that we weren't founded as a Christian nation and that our founding fathers didn't depend on God, the Father of Jesus Christ, not some random deity, folks, God, the Father of Jesus Christ, they either don't know what they're talking about or they're purposefully lying for some reason. 
one of those two choices. You see Washington here. Officers and soldiers not engaged on duty, they were expected to go to service, worshiping God, the Father of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Because he knew that they had to have God's help in order to beat the British, who were a far, far superior army and navy and military in general. He knew they had to have God's help. He knew that's the only way that they were going to succeed. And so it was a requirement and an expectation that these officers and sailors would go. God bless y'all, your families, your marriages. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks.